the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We must understand that our freedom is not just from something, enslavement to sin, but also for something. Jesus Christ and His glory. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. And so this morning from verses 12 to 14 of chapter 6, I want to give you three logical reasons to avoid immorality. Three logical reasons to avoid immorality. The first logical reason to avoid immorality, and keep in mind when I say that, Paul is specifically speaking of sexual immorality, is license does not permit licentiousness. Let me read for you again verse 12. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are profitable. Again, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Our second logical reason to avoid immorality is that science does not parallel sanctity. Science does not parallel sanctity. Look at verse 13. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. You say, I've read that before. I really don't understand the connection, what he's talking about. Well, I'm glad you're here then. Again, Paul is addressing a logical conclusion that the Corinthians have made and shows their logic to be faulty. And it's understandable. Without the context, it's hard to understand what the connection is here, plus the fact that their logic is just wrong. So here's what is being said. He starts with a biological reality, okay? I'm going to add the spiritual realm to it, okay? God designed this incredible connection between the stomach or the digestive system and food. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. But in that design, as you know, God has also ordained the ultimate destruction but future resurrection of the body, the physical body thus removing any future need for either food or the digestive system. Now, the leap of logic that the Corinthians were making was this. Since all things are lawful, starts with that, and since food is for the stomach and vice versa, and we have an appetite for food that will all eventually be destroyed by God, And therefore, since all bodily appetites are pretty much the same, including sexual appetite, see the faulty logic, that leap right there? That means the body is for sex and sex is for the body. And that's okay. Because ultimately, God is going to destroy the body too. 
So I can pig out now because the body is made for food and in the end it's going to be destroyed and you know, whatever junk food, whatever gross things I did to abuse my digestive system by eating flaming hot Cheetos and green jello and every other things with all kinds of additives. That's okay because he's going to destroy it. And the Corinthians would say it's the same thing with sex. I can have sex with her and him and all of them. And that's okay because God's going to destroy that along with my hunger and appetite and then in the resurrection we'll be fine. Remember, their foundational belief is that all things are lawful or permissible. To us, this sounds like a stretch. But we also know how wickedly devious our minds can be when we try to justify sin. And what's more, you have the added pressure of the status quo of the culture, which for them included prostitution as a form of worship of the goddess of love, Aphrodite. That was actually a good thing to go to the temple and be intimate with the temple prostitutes as a form of worship. I know you don't believe in her, but you read that stuff. Don't take your Christian mentality. Oh, it's just, she's just the God of romance and love and marriage. No, she had prostitutes in her temple. That's the kind of love that was involved in worship of Aphrodite or Venus. To address this wrong thinking about the body and sex, Paul tells them what the body really is for. We know this. It's for the Lord. And he adds this wonderful truth, and the Lord is for the body. It is true that our bodies will be different in the future. They will be glorified. But that does not mean that what we do with our bodies today has no connection with our future resurrection. Quite the opposite. The body is for the Lord, he says. We are to use our bodies to honor and obey him today in this life on earth. They are saved to be used fully for his service. You see, it's not just our soul or our spirit that was redeemed. It was our physical body as well. It's not just our soul or our spirit that was set apart, sanctified, as we saw, I believe, last week for God. It was our bodies as well. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And think about it. Any part of obedience, including your unspoken thoughts or attitudes, your inner praises of God that you don't speak forth, still involve the physical body, your brain. From there, the rest of our physical bodies, whether the tongue or in speaking praises or encouraging or rebuking or evangelizing or the arms aided by our eyes or our heart pumping to keep it all possible is for the Lord. Even the parts that you are not aware of the parts that are moving and beating and breathing that you don't even recognize. Parts of the body we never really, we hope we'll never see. It's all for the Lord. It's definitely not for immorality. To put it another way, in the context of sexual immorality with a temple prostitute, you do not hand your body, which belongs to God, over to one who belongs to Satan to allow her or him to use it for your pleasure. To be clear, we're not just talking about soliciting such a person. We're talking about any form of sexual immorality. When talking about physical sins, you guys know this, there's none more destructive than sexual sin. Broken marriages, destroyed families, destroyed homes, diseases, shattered lives. 
Sexual immorality leads to lying, stealing, hatred, gossip, unforgiveness, anger, bitterness, even murder. The body is for the Lord, not for such things. What's more, Paul goes on and says, the Lord is for the body. What does that mean? Well, I mentioned it briefly earlier. He gave himself on the cross to redeem our bodies. It is only with his help can it function for his glory Right? We need his help to honor him maximally in our bodies. And this connection is fully demonstrated in the promise that he will resurrect these bodies from the dead. And it goes back to the Corinthians reasoning. You simply cannot equate biological truth of the digestive system with the spiritual sanctity of our bodies as a means of service. They don't parallel. They don't equate You could put it this way. The line that is connecting food and our stomachs is horizontal. It is on this earthly plane. And here it will remain. The line connecting the body and the Lord is vertical. There's a connection to God and eternity and heaven. Its significance is both on this earth and with him in heaven. I actually like how one commentator said it. It's, it's not vertical, it's perpendicular. It goes up and down, but you don't want it, and it goes from the earth up and down to the earth, but you don't want it to go further down into sin. All this to say what we do with our bodies today affects our relationship with him. Does this mean if you give in to sexual immorality, you're not going to be resurrected? No, that's not the point. But that's really never the point, right? You don't say, I want to repent because I don't want to lose my salvation. You want to repent because you want to glorify God. You want to repent because you want to have a good relationship with him. You want to repent because he's everything to you. And you can't stand affecting that relationship. I have not once mentioned how sexual immorality affects your marriage or your kids or your family. Because like you, my primary concern is God's glory. And so when you say, I'm doing this, I need to stop because of my wife, that's great. But you better get your heart right with God. And you've heard me say this before. But when you tell me as a parent, Pastor, help me with this because I want to be a good example to my kids, I will tell you you're already a bad example if that's your only goal. You're going to pursue Christ just because you want to be a good example? You want to pursue Christ just because you work with unbelievers and you want to be a good testimony? You got it backwards. Care about God. Love God. More than your wife and kids. More than your husband and kids. And you will be the best example and they will get it. And they will love you for it. And they will respect you for it. But therein lies the human problem, right? Oh, that sounds good. I do want the respect. Ah, Fell back into it. I'm not saying don't worry about the practical ramifications, but we want to make sure our heart is right so that we are mostly and firstly prioritizing God and his glory. And I know that's hard. You know what's even harder? To share the gospel with a loved one because you want to glorify God more than you don't want to see that person go to hell. For some of you in a few minutes, if you're at the hospital or on their deathbed. That's hard. But pursue holiness, pursue perfection. I'm not saying don't do it if you're 
priorities are askew, you still pursue it and then pray that God would give you the right heart. But going back to our text and this faulty and then correct logic, you can't use the logic that science parallels sanctity. You, you can't say, well, this is true on this earth, so it must be true later, and this allows for that. It just doesn't work. It's just not true. Logical reason to avoid immorality, number three. We've seen license does not per- permit licentiousness. Science does not parallel sanctity. And thirdly, resurrection does not pardon rebellion. Resurrection does not pardon rebellion. Look at verse 14. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. It seems disconnected, but he's actually furthering the argument regarding the body now and the body later. There's an added depth to his argument about the dignity and destiny of the body and why we should not use it for immorality. You could say that this, uh, verse 14, is the theological basis for his previous statement, for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. We know that God raised the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection is crucial to our salvation and our understanding of who we are and the God that we serve. So essential is it that later Paul will write, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. It's worthless. That's 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve. And the point that Paul is making is simply that if God raised the one, capital O, he will raise the other, us, you. Christ's resurrection is not just similar, okay, is what he's saying. Christ's resurrection is not merely parallel. It doesn't just foreshadow our resurrection. They are a unit. You can't have one without the other. Our resurrection is written in stone and guaranteed and promised and part of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those that belong to him share the resurrection with him. And that's also the point that Paul makes in the context of the verse I quoted earlier regarding the resurrection and our faith. It is tied together. The fact that Christ is Lord of our bodies or our material reality naturally connects with the fact that we will be raised one day. And as such, we must live in line today with that final resurrection. So to be out of line with it, to live today in contrary or contrasting or against what that final resurrection will be like, to Paul is not only sinful and foolish, it's absolutely unthinkable. How did you guys come up with this, Corinthians? It doesn't even make sense. Don't abuse your earthly body with immorality. On a practical note, you can see this future promise as an incentive to avoid such temptations. When we give in to sexual immorality, we distance ourselves from Christ and his will. We disavow his lordship, if even just briefly, and such actions are diametrically opposed to the resurrection life. Your life here is a drop in the ocean compared to eternity, which will never end. That's what eternity is. It may help to understand that the promise that is made to us is not a redemption. When we are saved, it's not a redemption from the body. It's a redemption of the body. We don't get saved, and the only part of us we use for the Lord is the immaterial spirit, the soul. We don't die in this body, just sloughs off, falls off, and is discarded. It is resurrected. 
Our bodies are designed to serve in this life as well as in the life to come. We don't float around in spirit, as spirits forever. We live here on earth in physical resurrected bodies. Very different, yes. They'll be changed. They'll be glorified in the resurrection, but they will still be our bodies. You don't turn into angels. That's a different being anymore that you'll be turned into a cow or a donkey. We will be different, yes, but still these physical bodies. Let me give you a little idea of the, the cultural pressure they were under. Ancient, the ancient Greek mindset put very little value on the material world. From this evolved or came their belief of the immortality of the soul, which said that the spirit is immortal, but the body, along with the rest of the material order, is to be destroyed permanently. And for them, there was a clear disconnect between the future and today. And so they would do whatever they want, abuse their bodies. It's okay because there's no connection there. But the Bible says differently. The Bible says there is a very clear connection. But for now, we must understand that the resurrection of our bodies does not pardon rebellion today. You cannot say, well, someday I'll be glorified, so I'm just going to party today. Rather, biblical logic says that the future resurrection actually prohibits rebellion. Three logical reasons to avoid immorality. License does not permit licentiousness. Science does not parallel sanctity. And resurrection does not pardon rebellion. And as we continue through 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, Paul is going to talk a lot about sexual immorality. And he will even refer to the temple prostitutes. And you have to understand that we're not just talking about soliciting prostitutes. This is any form of sexual immorality without being graphic, even if that immorality just involves you or you and a computer screen. We know it's wrong and sinful. And I hope these three reasons really open our eyes to additional theological and logical reasons to avoid immorality, to flee from it, to stay as far away as possible. And as we close this morning, I want to take a brief moment to address those of you who have given in to sexual immorality since becoming a Christian. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your objective guilt in the law court of God is gone. So stop letting your emotional guilt dictate your relationships. Make you scared to get married. Make you timid towards your spouse in the bedroom. You are forgiven. Your past actions have no bearing on your standing with God. God's grace is sufficient. And I don't care how you feel right now. You are clean. I don't care who it was with. I don't care how often it was. I don't care how wicked and vile it was. I don't care if it, you were married. I don't care if it led to your divorce. None of it is greater than the grace of God. You don't need to feel bad about that anymore. I understand there are memories. I understand there are flashbacks. And I understand there may even be certain neighborhoods 
or entire regions of the country or the world that you can no longer visit. And that's good. Don't go there. I understand that could affect your relationship with your spouse in the bedroom. But you have to understand that on an objective level before the eyes of God, you are forgiven. Now, if you're still doing it, you need to repent. You need to seek forgiveness. You need to make sure that you don't do it again. I understand that repentance of sin, often it's hard to go cold turkey. Baby steps. But you have to understand, lesser is still sin. If you're no longer doing the physical act, praise God, but if you're still tempted by the internet, that's still sin and you need to repent fully. 180 degrees. But rest assured that as you repent, and if you stumble again and repent again, God's grace is sufficient. I truly hope that today's message didn't just make you feel bad about the past, but gives you motivation, hope, and joy about today and the future. For all of us, even if you don't struggle with that sin or never have, we need to flee immorality in every level. It is the norm of the Christian life to live in a holy manner. We must not give in to status quo norms. I have spoken to more than one Christian who is dating or engaged, who has not just been questioned neutrally, but actually been mocked for not sleeping or living with their significant other prior to marriage. A test run, they call it. How can you even know you want to marry that person if you haven't lived with them first? I don't even worry about the Bible. They're just a logical fallacy right there. Uh, the same way they've done for thousands of years. In fact, if you were confused about whether we're talking about gray areas or sin, again, it's because the Corinthians were so far gone that they had made immorality a gray area. They had become so immune, given in so much to the culture, that they became immune and ditched the Bible, if even for a small point, and said, love is love, it's okay, down the rabbit hole, you tumble. We need to be careful. Please don't see this uh, as an endorsement of one candidate or another. But even the way you think about politics today, oh, my friends, you need to be very careful. You need to be very careful. I have seen well-trained, theologically sound Christians, and their arguments to justify abortion are just shocking and frankly, illogical. We need to understand how we live in this world. We need to take the truths of Scripture and first and foremost in our own lives in what we think is okay, not just for us, but for other people, our children as they get older and start dating. Do you want to raise them with the understanding that they may be persecuted? Or are you just, you know, I really want him to be popular. I want to be the cool dad. So don't be home by 11 tonight. Be home by 11 tomorrow morning. And here, son, take this. Be safe. What's more important to you? Popularity, the culture, satisfying your own desires, whether it's for sex or anything else, or holiness. And as hard as these temptations may come at you, the slings and arrows from the devil. You need to stand firm because neither the future reality nor today's reality of the human body, none of it justifies immorality.
All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, its stomach is for the food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would take this sin seriously. We understand that the circumstances with idol worship were very unique for the Corinthians, and yet we know that in any time in history, our times these days are extremely unique when the discussion on sexual immorality does not even need to, is not limited rather to male and female. The accessibility of pictures and videos are unlike any other time in our history. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand the wickedness of this sin. We thank you for your forgiveness of those who have done these sins in the past, even since knowing you. We pray for strength and a pursuit of holiness, a love for you, and a love for others that makes them and drives them to avoid these sins again. For those who are in the midst of those, give them the the strength, the wisdom, the discernment of how to make the practical steps and the spiritual pursuits to repent of these sins. I pray that as men and women seek accountability from others of us in the church, that we would give them biblical advice, that we would be firm but gracious, that we would not blow off these sins as just typical of their age or their marital status. May we take these seriously because of your glory and the wonders of what you have promised for us in the future. We pray these things in Jesus' name. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.